1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here this morning in the Warthog Manly Man Cave inside the Bellin Law Studio inside the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in God's Country. And by golly. Uh, We're looking forward to another exciting day talking with our Wednesday co-host, Ted Yoho. And uh, we want to thank all of the uh, sponsors and all the uh, people who donate. And we also want to invite you, encourage you to now go to Rumble and follow us because we have been permanently banned uh, from YouTube channel for um, discussions that violate their community standards. And we'll be doggone if we can figure out what those are. They don't tell you, of course. And I'm not even sure I've ever conversed with a human about it. Probably it initially starts with an algorithm or hears certain words. And that's why I started censoring myself with a voter beep, because I'm pretty sure the beep sent them crazy. Uh, So who knows? We've been talking about this for several days on the show because it's a bigger issue than just Ward Scott Files. Although the Ward Scott Files, you have to reason, is a threat to national security, I guess, our discussions, because... It goes against the grain of the acceptable national narrative about basically who's boar at the cabbage, as my grandmother used to say. I always used to ask her why one guy went to jail for the same uh, crime and another guy got away scot-free on. And she said, always, it depends on who's boar at the cabbage. Now, if you're not a country boy, you have to, I have to explain that to you. If the boar gets in the garden and eats the man's cabbage, uh, who has to pay for the damage? Well, it's a poor man. The poor man has to come over there and pay all sorts of retribution and all that. But if it's a wealthy man. Why? Well, you know, he gets away. It's all about the hypocrisy and the double standards. And we've got a lot of that going on in this country. And you have to wonder if it were not for Elon Musk, would you ever know about it? Because he's been revealing now how the decisions were made at Twitter. Uh, so we want to thank those of you who sponsor us. Stay with us. Uh, Melon Law, Crime Prevention, On the Spot Cleaners r and Construction, Shoot GTR, uh, Lewis Oil, and all those of you, uh, you who uh, donate to us. So uh, it's, it's an uphill struggle to get the uh, message. We're not even really have a message. We just have a discussion is all we're really doing. And then you're mature adults. You make up your mind what you want to do with what we discuss. You can accept all part or none of it. And uh, you're part of the research team. You can also modify or contribute to whatever we talk about. So uh, Ted Yoho today, who has been in Washington, in the belly of the beast, as I like to say, for eight years. And he's the only man I know who term limited himself and he should never have done it.
0: He's
1: one of the honest guys we've got. And um, just before we went on the air, uh, Ted and I were talking about how uh, he had been a, a, a involved with this. Says, Ted, let's, maybe we can take up the discussion there and you can tell our listeners and audience. Uh, 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 by the way, you know we've got the numbers on how Ted does on Wednesday, and he does very, very well. So you got a lot of people listening. Uh, what What happened to you, Ted? Way back?
0: Well, you know, we entered the race in 2010, and um, we ran in 2012. got elected, and at the time, people that were running our campaign. and we did everything in house. You know, we didn't have outside consultants and all that. Um, we started noticing that. The Stuff we put it out, we put out there, you know, about positive about the election. Our name was getting take off, taken off uh, of the Google searches, and we were getting into the media more, and so we were becoming more popular. But I was such an unknown figure, I mean, I had no name recognition outside of the, the district three market, but yet um, the searches for us were going down and down and down. And if we posted something in the past, you might get 15, 20,000 hits on it, but. What happened is it would start going down to 15,000, 10,000, 8,000. And so it was being suppressed. And uh, I was told at the time it was called shadow banning back then. And of course, that's morphed into what we see now. And if they were doing it to somebody like me, a political unknown that had no national market, you know, you think how they go after, like they went after you, Ward. You've been on the air for a long time. You're in 36 different platforms. And Google decides. And, and you said they took all your files down. And I think this is cause for everybody out there. This is big tech um, working with government. This is big tech that um, uh, Elon Musk has revealed and has put the spotlight on of what they're doing. And yet we have the major media saying, oh, they're not doing that. And they just like they do everything else, whether it's Hunter Biden, you know, what Biden did in uh, Ukraine with withholding those funds. Um, they just don't go after that because it does not fit their narrative. But the danger to this, to all of us, is the second, uh, uh, First, Me- uh, First Amendment, freedom of speech. You know, if we cannot have dissenting voices to debate back and forth, you don't have a democracy. And I don't feel like we have a democracy. We have a, re- a constitutional republic that uses a democratic process. But if you can't have that open debate, you can't have a, a republic. And uh, I think this is something that we all should be involved with. And if you're on YouTube, stop using them. You know, if we can, if we can find another way to go get search engines other than Google, do it. I'm on DuckDuckGo um, every chance I get. And uh, I think we, the people have to send that message back in mass. Um, that's my thoughts, Ward. Yes. The next question
1: has come up and I don't have <coughs> the answer to it. Maybe you can uh, shed some light on, I have my, uh opinion about it. It's just an opinion that I've been asked, well, can't Congress do something about this? Well, my concern about them is Congress uses big tech to its advantage. So I doubt any of those committees is going to uh, take a real honest-to-God look because they've been profiting from it, unless we can change maybe the committee structure uh, with the new uh, leadership in the House anyway. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Can Congress do something about it? Um, In this environment, no. I mean, what I would do, what I would start with is I would look at everybody's campaign, their campaign finances, see how much money comes from uh, the big tech companies. And then those are the people that you would talk to, and chances are they'll have hearings, they'll have witnesses, and um, they'll make a a show out of it like they did with Zuckerberg and um, uh, some of the Apple executives, Uh, but you don't see really anything that comes out of it because there's so much money in there. And, um, you know, with the deep state, the way it is, they just kind of orchestrate everything and block any, um, block any true reform in those things. Um, but it really needs to, to happen. You know, you go back to see what happened to Trump. I mean, the most powerful person in the world, um, to go ahead and silence him before an election uh, that's just unprecedented, and yet they did it. And if they can do it to him, they can do it to any of us. And as you're finding out, where they're doing it to you. I, I look back on our career. They did it to us. And so it really is a suppression of free speech, and this goes against the grain of the Constitution.
1: Not, and either to further extend the tentacles of this, uh, the media evades every important question about it. They sure um, they they are, uh, either deliberately <coughs> or by naivete or a complicity. You know, you know. But there's not any intellectually honest statements um, that have been heard. Uh, one can argue in the popular media, um, for example, the laptop story, which uh, uh, has been looked at very closely now, and I think will be increasingly looked at, was at the time true and newsworthy, and yet the intelligence veterans and the press uh help suppress it uh to keep you know joe biden uh, in a healthy context if you will or um you know dissuade people from uh thinking it had any relevance to biden when it certainly does um the um absurdity of these intelligence outfits has really reached a kind of scary part of our lives don't you think i mean I talk to people. Who don't trust CIA. Don't trust FBI. Don't trust DOJ. Uh, it's kind of sad predicament.
0: It is, and when you lose trust in your government, you don't have a government um, because then you start getting a breakdown of the rule of law, and we're already seeing that. And and again, I mean, just that 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 sentence right there—the breakdown of the rule of law. Look at the people that were doing all the shoplifting, the snatch and grabs. You know, the media says, "Well." If it's under a certain amount, they can justify it. So you don't have to prosecute them. You know, the law is the law. So if you have a breakdown of that, you know, you you get chaos in the society. And so if you lose trust in your government, whether it's the agencies, whether whether it's the voting integrity, um, you know, the IRS coming out, as we saw in the Tea Party years, where they were going after the conservative groups, uh, they were doing that in the Department of Labor, going after the farmers on labor issues. That weren't really issues, but yet they were just uh, creating all kinds of havoc and uh, uh, just massive penalties for the farmers in our area. and these pe- These are people that you know, and we saw that under the Obama administration, and i'm I'm afraid we're going to see that under Biden when uh, the funding for the IRS gets there. Um, so I think we're in a very dangerous situation and and these the media is supposed to be something that exposes people uh, or, or corruption. And I was up in DC two weeks ago <clears throat> and, uh, we were out to dinner. I was out to dinner with a couple of the chairmen, uh, I used to work with and one of the reporters came up and, uh, I kind of laid into her because she wanted some, me to make some comments. And I said, no comments. I says, until you guys start reporting the news accurately and do your, uh, investigative journalism, I have nothing to say to you. Have a nice day. And, uh, She was kind of put off about it. But I'm like, you know, I've been through that circus. I'm not going to enter it again voluntarily. Uh, When you start reporting the news accurately, come talk to me. But I I know I'll never hear from her because they don't do that.
1: What was she just out of interest here? What was the comment she wanted to try to get you to step into, if you will?
0: Well, there was two things. One was who's going to be the speaker, what I'm hearing about that. And then uh, a, uh, (laughs) a conversation came up. About uh Walter Jones, who is a uh he was a dear friend of mine, he was from North Carolina, he's passed away. Um, he had written a letter uh and it was it caused Kevin McCarthy to step down from the speaker's race. And it says, if you have any personal indiscretions in your background that would embarrass this party, we ask you to not run for speaker of the house. And there was two people that signed it. He was one, and I know the other one real well. <laughs> and uh they wanted to know who that was, and I wouldn't tell them at the table, but it was me. Uh, <laughs> well in the conversation, uh, these chairmen were telling me it was gonna be hard for Kevin to take the the gavel. And they talked about different things of why and of course this reporters wanting to know the inside story, and I kept saying no comment. And uh one of the guys says, well, there is the ghost of Walter Jones still hovering around. And I just started laughing because <laughs> I know that story. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and it was very powerful. And if you go back, um, it, it was probably eight years before I got there. Bob Livingston um, was elected the Speaker of the House. He served for one hour or one day. And it was because he had affairs up there that became public. And so he was elected, and he, he um, uh, resigned right after that. And so we didn't want to go through that with uh, another speaker. It was very effective because uh, the person that was going to run at 10, 30, 11 in the morning telling everybody he was going to be the speaker or looking forward to it, at 12 o'clock, he abruptly got up to the podium and says, uh, I withdraw my name from nomination.
1: Well, who will be the speaker? you got an inside um... <clears throat>
0: Again, these guys are inside politics. They're they're very establishment, and they just they were doubting whether Kevin could get the numbers because of such a small majority in there. A couple of names got floated. Um, one was uh, a, a, a congressman out of Oklahoma, Tom Cole. Um, he's very he's very establishment, but he's you know he's chaired committees. You no, know, Kevin McCarthy's never chaired a committee, never passed significant legislation until. I think this last Congress that, that I saw or maybe the Congress before that, but it was because of his position. And, uh, you know, again, he has never chaired a committee, so he's never conducted that. Granted, he's been the majority or minority leader. Um, so he's got that experience. But, um, you know, it's just not a lot of trust in him in members when you get him to talk on the side.
1: Well, it's not a danger that a Democrat will become the speaker, is there?
0: I don't think so, no. That's Uh, far-fetched.
1: I've Um, read that in some of the news media, and therefore I've not put a lot of uh, faith in it. But um,
0: Yeah, you'd have to have, I forget what the numbers are, but probably 10 Republicans vote for a Democrat, and uh, that would be political suicide for them. Of course, there's a lot of those Republicans that come from D1 districts or D2 districts. That means it favors the Democrats by a small percentage. And I I still can't imagine those people voting that way. In fact, I saw Jeff Van Drew yesterday. He's a dentist out of Jersey, and he was Democrat. And he switched parties about halfway through my last term. So that would have been about 2019, not 2020. And I said, well, obviously, it didn't hurt you by switching parties. He goes, oh, heck no. He goes, I won by 20% more than I normally did (laughs) by being a Republican. So. <clears throat> it was a good thing, and he's a good guy.
1: let me ask you a question about our good friend mark Meadows. i I met Mark Meadows with you, yeah, um, thought he was just a down home guy from western part of carolina and but now uh, in the media anyway, you always have to hold suspect as we're saying um January sixth committee's chasing him What's yeah. what's your what's your take on that
0: um, it's a witch hunt, I mean they're trying to Discredit anybody that was associated with Trump. Um, and Mark's going through, you know, the trials and tribulations of uh, the court system. <clears throat> they said he's registered in three different areas to vote. And, you know, I talked to him not too long ago. And it's you, when you read the story, they had a house in North Carolina. They bought one somewhere else. And then they had another one. And so they registered where they were in the last one, of course. They were also registered here, but they voted there. And, uh, you know, they're canceling these other ones. And it's just a mess that the media is going after. And, of course, they tie that into the January 6th. And Mark was very upfront in the beginning by releasing emails and uh, text messages and all that. And they're trying to hold him accountable for what happened up there. And that, that whole thing, when you look at the January 6th, and I was up there that day. 90, 95, 98% of the people were like you and me, the people that used to show up at a Trump rally or at a, a Tea Party rally. They were just people that loved this country. They weren't vigilantes or anything like that, but there were, you know, the Antifa people, the QAnons and the Black Lives Matters. I mean, I saw them, but that was a very small portion of that. And um, they're trying to tie tie Mark into that And this whole thing about Trump and Liz Cheney and the things that she did and Adam Kinzinger, um, they will spend all that time and the media will focus on that. But they don't focus on Mar-a-Lago, you know, um, going against the Fourth Amendment. Uh, They're focusing on, you know, Trump uh, trying to, well, they just indicted him up or charged him in New York. And so they're not going to let that guy rest because they know he's a threat. To the deep state and um, uh what obama and biden are trying to do and that's and they're doing it the fundamentally transformation of america
1: and you know uh, the uh, somebody here who watches the show said sure would like to read pelosi's emails
0: <laughs> wow <laughs> well i think we had some of that with uh, hillary clinton <clears throat> you know the anthony Weiner. um the incidents with his emails with Hillary Clinton's emails, all those ones on her personal server that had government business in there. Um, and they get a pass, um, that Uma, Uma Abedin that was, um, working with it with, uh, Clintons, you know, she gets a pass, you know, none of that comes up yet. They go after the Trump organization, Donald Trump. And it's, it's really a hypocrisy. And, um uh, You know, again, it's a sign of the times of our nation and the state of affairs of our nation. We have a deep state. We have a nation at once. The people in charge, they want to have autocratic role or rule kind of like China does. And they're doing it. You know, you look at the mandates they force on the American people. What they're saying now is if you do any transaction over six hundred dollars, it's got to be reported to the IRS if you've received over $600 in a payment or if you've paid out over $600. And, uh, you know, we're going back to that uh, big government. It's 1984, George Orwell's 1984 is the era we're entering in.
1: Yeah, you mentioned 1984 when I was in college. We read (laughs) 1984,
0: never come.
1: (laughs) Man, I said 1984. Yeah. What's this guy talking about? You know, yeah. I now you 60s. look
0: back and say, man, that was a long, long time ago. Yeah,
1: we read the book in the '60s. I thought 1984 was this guy. What's wrong with him? You know. That guy's crazy. Well, 1984 is about 40 years ago, I guess, huh? So yeah. now it's coming. Alphabetical
0: 83. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're talking with Ted Yoho. If you got a chat line, <coughs> I'm looking at him here, and um, yeah, the comment that you want to read Pelosi's emails. Well. Um, Mr. Listener, it wouldn't do much good because we know all about Hillary's emails. We know all about the laptop and yet nothing's been done. And there's probably it's going to be really a struggle to get the laptop story, the true story about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop out. I'm sure. I mean, we've just begun to see cover up and pushback and obfuscation and everything else <laughs> that they've been doing. And, and you know, the mystery remains about All you and I know it because we deal with it all the time, especially you and I do sitting here at the microphone. But um, the, the, the biggest thing I think that came out of Obama was he sold everybody on the on the absolute essential need to to control the narrative. And that meant that he would he actually hired, correct me if I'm wrong, a man to write the narrative. He lived in, in the White House below it, I understand. He was a fiction writer. And he wrote the narrative that
0: right. you the know, public information
1: people from Obama gave yeah, right. the press. Huh?
0: <clears throat> I forgot about that, but you are right. And they've gotten very good at crafting the narrative. And then they march forward with the narrative and uh, uh, they carry it on. And when the next Congress comes in, they just keep going the direction we are. Newt Gingrich had a very interesting article, and I can't remember if it was on Epic Times or uh, uh, Wall Street Journal, and he says, Republicans are so off base, they're going to focus on these investigations in uh, the corruption of Hunter Biden, which it should happen, uh, corruption of, of Biden himself, the FBI. They're going to focus on all these things like that. And of course, now with FTX and that that um, Sam Brinkman-Freed, they're going to focus on those things but yet they're missing what Obama is doing. Look at—I mean—they're missing what Biden is doing. Look at the border. You know that is something that the media ought to be down there, and they ought to be demanding that something happens there. But it's just kind of oh, it's under control. So the media says, oh, it's under control. Um, look at the forgiveness of student debt. It's unconstitutional. It's illegal. But yet they're doing it. The Democrats move forward with their plans of. Republicans come in and sue them. And after two or three or four years, the judge may rule against them, but they keep going on and they'll bring it back and we'll sue them again. Whereas the Republicans, when we're in office, we're trying to undo what they did instead of running hard to the right and saying, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do whatever issue it is. I don't want to say anything because it'll inflame people. But they should do these things, let the Democrats sue them, but just keep pushing it because we've got to get the country back to the right. We're way, way, way left. And um, and so that narrative that you were talking about, it gets written, but more importantly, it gets played out. And this goes back to when Obama came in. He says, we were five days from fundamentally transforming America. Look at what's happened since that time. Look at the wokeism in our military. Look at it in our uh, industries, the ESG scoring. Look at the Uh, transgender and the LGBT narrative going on around the United States. And it's interesting talking to these leaders from around the world. uh, They're just shaking their heads at us. And, you know, it's no wonder they're getting closer to China on a lot of this stuff.
1: Yes. And, you know, I'm sure they're saying, what are you guys preoccupied with? I mean, you know, we talked about borders and this Brittany Griner thing. Um, You know, the The hashish oil that she had is illegal here too. So, yeah. you know, she was obviously outside the law here using it, but here obviously slap on the wrist if even that. And there, of course, um stopped right away. But the point that's not to be lost is for good better or worse, Russia does have a border. <laughs> yeah. It you does have wouldn't. a border. You know, we don't have a border. And so it you know. Hashish oil, by, by comparison to fentanyl and the stuff that's coming across the open border, um, I guess we've raised a group of people, including her, who feels like it's uh, no big deal. And and um, yet, yet places in the world, it is a big deal. You know, but not so much the drug, but the border. you are coming across our border. We have a border, and we've been commenting about this. Without a border, you don't have a country. This is on the minds of people. I was in the gym the other day working out. Somebody recognized me, came up to me. He was from Puerto Rico. Well, he was a middle-aged man. He had uh, he had sons in the military. And he said they're getting out because it's too woke. I yeah. mean, this guy was patriotic, Ted. He was patriotic. But his sons are getting out of the he's raised his sons to be patriotic. He says Puerto Rico's a mess. He got out of yeah. Puerto Rico. He says all corrupt. And he said, you don't want to model yourself after that place. So he got out, put his kids in the military. Now they're getting out because it's too woke. And he is absolutely at wit's end about this is the last, last refuge I have to raise my family with values. And look at them. They're, they're crazy values.
0: They are. And, you know, I flew in last night. The plane was two hours late. And I'm um, at the terminal <coughs> in D.C. And there was a gentleman from Jacksonville that's been in the Navy. And um, he says his kids have voluntarily uh, not finished basic training because of the wokeism. And he goes, it's just not my kids. There's a lot of people that their kids are getting out. um, They're taking, um, um, you know, a discharge um, just because of the wokeism. And they, they can't buy into that. And so that think about where our country will be in five years from now. And I think you brought it up. Couple of weeks ago, and I've used this story how under Obama they advanced, I think it was 7,000 majors. And I can only imagine those majors were very woke back then. Oh, yeah, those yeah. Are, that have advanced and are in charge now. And we see this throughout the military with the people I talk to. And it's in all branches. Uh, I know people in the Coast Guard very well, and I hear it there. Um, and, you know, these are the things that our country should focus on, and the Republicans should focus on. Yes, I want to know what Hunter Biden did, and I want to hold him accountable. But like you and I have talked, if you're if you're going to do an investigation, follow through. And if you're not going to follow through, don't waste our time. Don't waste our money. And, uh, you know, let's really focus on what's important. You know, like I, I don't know if I told you that story this morning. Yesterday on the House floor, they spent over an hour, close to two hours, recognizing two people that were going to retire that were in the cloakrooms in the Republican side and then the Democrat side. And so the whole chamber is there giving out accolades to these two people that are going to retire when our border's in the mess it is, when our interest on servicing our debt for this nation is right at what we're spending on military uh, funding. I think we're at $800 and some billion dollars on military, and our interest on our debt is between $650 billion. To 750 billion and so these are the things that they should be focusing on instead of the nonsense they do uh, but they'll go back to their hearings on all these insignificant i don't want to say insignificant but it's not going to change the course of america and that's the stuff they ought to be focusing on
1: oh ted you are here on wednesdays we're at 928 which is pretty close to the bottom of our <clears throat> hour. uh any chat you want i'm taking a look at it uh, and um uh, I will take up the issue. And I'm going to get into the weather in a little bit. We've had some really violent weather throughout the South. We we'll want to talk about that with you when we get back. So on the Ward Scott Files, and by the way, as I say, go over to Rumble. Follow us on Rumble. And, uh, you know, that's the platform from which we are now streaming. And, uh, of course, come back over to WardScottFiles.com. You'll see the shows, but you won't see any show, any show there that was ever placed there by YouTube. And this goes back several years. Um, That's the other point I want to make. Several years of shows. And where I think this began was when uh, the election came along and you weren't allowed to question at all or have anybody on uh, your show who discussed it with you. I've had Sidney Powell on the show. And when I look back on it, my golly, if they wanted to, I have the sheriff from out there in Arizona, had him on the show, um, had a lot of people who were Questioning, And I'm sure that, um, you know, had there never been a Trump, had there never been uh, a discussion about the election, the Ward Scott Files would still be on YouTube because we've got years of shows that have been on YouTube. But rather than take down just those particular shows that they wanted to suppress uh, the, the uh, two sides of the discussion, uh, they take them all down, which is so interesting. Uh, most people would never know this. I know it. Elon Musk knows it, and I'm sure Ted knows it. So we'll come back and talk to you in a minute on the Word Scott Files after you take our bottom-of-the-hour break. Stay tuned. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files' gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-Spot Dry Cleaners, Arnar Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website www.awardsgodfiles.com
0: Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy.
1: Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. This is Ward's weather report brought to you by uh, Lewis Oil, our great friends at Lewis Oil. Went to Lewis. Uh, really, the story of the weather is not here at Windy Hill Farm today. It is throughout the South. Some of the sad stories I want to go over with you, which you probably may know about, tornadoes. Tornadoes killed a mother and a child, for example, in Louisiana. Came through, destroyed the mobile home they were in. They found the child uh, and eventually found the mother. This line of powerful storms moving across the South. They turned deadly in Louisiana. We talked about them coming this way. Um, these two, uh, mother and young boy, were killed when a tornado touched down in, in a cattle parish in Louisiana, south of Shreveport. Um, it's really, it's really, a, a, a tornadoes a, really are very frightening. I've, I've been in a couple of them, and it really does sound like a train going by on the tracks. Um, you, you just think, my golly, is the CSX railroad outside my window? And. And then you know what's going on. It is a tornado. So there are severe storms in the south. They're going to be sweeping across here. We may get the tail end of them and, uh, tomorrow in this area. So we're going to buckle down and uh, prepare for, of course, the worst. And uh, hopefully we'll escape all the violent uh, wind damage. The, the, um, the winter storms are headed for the northeast. And they've really clobbered um, the west and the northwest so much that uh, inter- interstate highways are shut down. You can't even enjoy the snow in the ski lift areas because it is so deep you can't get to the, uh, to the, to the uh, ski resorts. And plus, it's been so windy, they will not let you on the chairs. They shut the chairs down. Um, I've actually been in a chair uh, when a, a lightning struck. And buddy, they get you out of there in a big, big hurry. Uh, it didn't strike our cable directly, but by golly, there was thunder. And believe me, there is thunder in snowstorms. There was thunder and a crack of um, lightning. And all of a sudden they sped these chairs up. And you got to imagine a horrible scenario there where if you strike that cable, you're going to zip all the way down and get everybody sitting in those chairs. So there's a lot of reasons to shut those resorts down. So the blizzard conditions are so bad out there that they're shutting down the highways. And if you've never driven in snow, Uh, which I've done a lot of. You just need to take your time. You do not hit passing gear or anything like that because uh, you just take your time and, and and you just uh, have to be very patient and, and not get in a hurry. So many people who don't know how to drive on the snow. So anyway, severe storms really wrecking a lot of damage. We think we'll escape them here, but we're going to prepare for the worst. We're talking with Ted Yoho today. As always, we've enjoyed doing on Wednesday. Occasionally Ted's away on business. Uh, but he's uh, really been devoted to the show. We're devoted to him. And I appreciate him taking interest in the Ward Scott Files in a positive way, unlike <laughs> YouTube, which has taken <laughs> us in a negative way. We've been talking about that with you. So we encourage you to go to Rumble and follow us there and to uh, get used to seeing the shows uh, uh, there if you don't watch them on the Wardscottfiles.com. Of course, we are on, I think, about 37 different platforms and we're running about 95,000 people a month who are aware of the Ward Scott files in one way or another. So that's quite a number of people. Wow. And um, uh, we just had production run some numbers on that the other day. So um, uh, YouTube is going to be a drop in the bucket. Uh, and uh, that's their loss, not ours. So uh, I uh, invite you to uh, support us as best you can, because there are a lot of people when you stick your head up out of the foxhole this day and time. Uh, who really prefer that uh, your voice wasn't uh, the one <coughs> to deal with if it doesn't fit what we've been talking about, Ted and I, and as the acceptable cultural narrative, uh, which is largely fiction. You know, Ted, uh, I taught fiction writing in college. I studied with some of the great fiction writers in this country, and I was a lone wolf who taught it. Most academic people don't want to touch it because they think it's uh, something you just learn to do kind of on the back porch, stringing your banjo. Um, now there's a real craft to it. You study Aristotle, you study the great writers. Uh, and by golly, uh, I was aware of how important it was to understand fiction writing. And now it's ironic that the person who takes it up as an instrument of control is, of course, Obama. Now, Obama must have read 1984. You know, Obama is smart.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Ayn Rand. <laughs> he read
1: 1984, and he took to heart what 1984 had to say. Yeah, that's my conjecture anyway, my man.
0: <laughs> oh, I think you're right. I think he, he read Ayn Rand, too, and he was uh, one of the takers, not one of the producers. Um, it's amazing yeah you know you talk about fiction writing uh if i look at america 2022 it's it's like a bad fiction it's like a horror story And it's like i mm. wanted to end because uh, i don't like the direction we're going it's like one of those movies when i would, remember in dc i felt like this often it was like a bad movie or a bad dream you couldn't wake up from or the movie wouldn't end it was just it just kept going on and on and on and and um you know america's better than that and uh I I had a cab driver yesterday, and he was playing reggae music. I said, man, I hadn't heard that since I left Florida. And he came over here from Jamaica a long time ago, and he brought his three kids here. He's got one of his daughters is a psychologist, clinical psychologist, has her own practice. She works for a corporation. One is a lawyer. One's an engineer. And they, they have paid off his house. They've paid off all of his debt. And uh, he is so blessed to be in America because they wanted to get to this country. And I hear that story all the times from people that have immigrated here and taken advantage. And it was like you were talking about how they wanted to live the American dream. And um, you were talking about the guy from Puerto Rico who an American. Um, but they, they want what we have here, and they can't get it any other place. And for people in this country not to understand what we have, It's amazing. I don't know if I told you last time. I'm I'm reading a book. It's called The Miracle of Freedom, The Seven Tipping Points That Saved the World. Um, In recorded history, there's roughly 100 billion people, 100 billion with a B, who have ever been on the planet. Less than 4.5% of those have ever lived in liberty and freedom um, throughout recorded history. And so freedom and liberty is such a rare incident and it mainly came from the judeo-christian foundation uh and you can take this from 5000 bc all the way through where we are and it really morphed in the um uh, in the european era uh, when the magna carta came on and from that point forward and there were just certain things that had they not happened we wouldn't have liberty and freedom and uh it's a scary thought that see how precarious it is and how rare it is yet i have people in this country think we're the worst country in the world and uh, yeah we're not a perfect country because people like me and you are in it and they're in it but you travel around the world and you realize how lucky we are
1: well you know the core of of the structure of fiction is to have what we call a strong protagonist and a strong antagonist and one of the great accomplishments and i'm saying this I have to give them credit is they have been successful in making Trump the antagonist. And even now we hear people saying who really like Trump. I just, he's too toxic. I just don't want him to run. You heard all this. I just don't want him to run again. That is all a result of the absolutely uh, relentless uh, negativity about him that the fiction writers have created. Uh, without any kind of of other opinion allowed in any of the media outlets that we're talking about. Um, Right. It's it's been relentless.
0: Well, this goes into uh, black uh, liberation theology, uh, critical race theory. Um, It fits into that narrative you were talking about, and Joseph Goebbels did the same thing. You know, you start dividing society by saying, this one's taken advantage of you, or this one has suppressed you, and You know, and I talked about this a lot. If Hitler had won World War, World War II, and created the Aryan race, how long would it have been until the Aryan race would have started fighting against themselves? They say, you're not tall enough. Your eyes aren't blue enough. You, you, You went bald. You should have blonde hair. You know, they would start dividing again, and then there would be those factions, those fiction writers that says, that's right, that guy's not over six foot, so he can't be an Aryan and this goes on and on in human history and that's why it's so important to understand how this country came about and and what and how precarious it is and how we have to fight to preserve it this is not to go against any belief whether it's gay rights or certain religions any religion uh any race this is about the values that make america america These are about the values that people want to come from other nations to have for that better life for them and their family so that they can live the so called American dream.
1: You know, I know you admire Victor Davis Hansen, I'm sure. Sure do. And um, I'm I'm not sure you may have caught this, it was on Epoch. Uh, He listed the way in which you would, uh, Mm did you see it under, uh, destroy Destroy America? America. You You may even have said it to me.
0: I think uh, I sent that to you.
1: I think you sent it to me. But this thing reads like a recipe, you know. Uh, surrender your energy independence. Boy, have we been doing that. Um, print trillions of dollars. Man, have we been doing that? In uh, the physical boundaries, we've been talking about that. But this destroy the public trust in its elections. Um, right. Man, that's like, that's, that's a big huh.
0: Yeah. Take over education and divide Divide into groups
1: and redefine crime. And boy, we've seen that one man's uh, wealth is a result of taking advantage of another man's uh, um, unfortunate set of circumstances. Uh, Never mind whether the man had bad character and had the opportunity to not commit the crime. Uh, He was forced to do it by his environmental, socioeconomic, demographic circumstances. it is, it is, and here's some here, here's some terms that I um, I'm learning. Like you, with shadow banning, green light, statue toppling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you remember yeah. that one? Name changing, sure name changing. Yeah. You know, this is what's going on. You go look at Russia. This is what Russia did. You know, uh, sure Stalingrad and and and, and <clears throat> uh, toppling statues and 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 now we're doing it.
0: We sure are. And so history repeats itself. And it's for those people that are aware and are educated and and they're engaged in this and they're willing to step out and become uncomfortable that says, you know, dang it, we're not going to put up with that. We are not that way. And uh, I refuse to buy into that narrative. And I wish more. I know there's a lot of people that listen to your show, probably the majority of them that feel the same way. But there's so many people and they come from all spectrums that they just don't want that conflict or they just don't want that angst and go against um, what people are saying, even though it's true. I'm uh, not true. They don't want to get into that. They're thinking, well oh, it's just not worth arguing. Well, at some point it does become worth arguing because it's, it's our nation. And it's not just for us. I mean, definitely not for us. Cause you and I kind of at the top of the summit um, on on the downward climb of that hill. It's for those future generations and the posterity of this nation. And that's where I have such a problem with uh, politicians, because as you and I have talked about before, politicians, uh, their big focus is on winning the next election. Um, The focus of a statesman is for the future of the next generations. And we have too many politicians up there.
1: We have a couple of topics that people really uh, probably need some help understanding. We we know you and I know that the so-called Inflation Reduction Act is more like an inflation-producing <clears throat> act. But we need to explain that. Do you have any comments on, or you can take issue with what I just said? It's it's uh, I just put it out on the table because it's another one of these incredible hoaxes. what uh, oh, it
0: is. I mean, it sounds great. <clears throat> it's like the Affordable Care Act. You know, you go back to those sound bites of President Obama. If you like your doctor, you can keep it. If you like your insurance, you can keep it. We got our insurance canceled as a member of Congress. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. We sure did. A bunch of us did. And the premiums went up. And it just, it was such a false narrative, but the media runs with it and they don't call them out on it. And I don't know if you've been following uh, the, the uh, what do they call it? The, the the premiums on the Affordable Care Act, of Obamacare, they, they have gone up to a point where most people can't afford them. The Affordable Care Act that people can't afford. And this is after all the government subsidies. And uh, it's, it's, it's lunacy because they wanted to take over healthcare. And Ronald Reagan says, if you get, let government take over healthcare, you don't have a republic anymore. And uh, my wife, Carolyn, we're in Wilatka, and there's a lady here from England. And she goes, well, I really want to go back to England, but I, I, I can't. And she goes, why? And she goes, the healthcare over there stinks. Yeah. <laughs> it's socialized medicine. And right. she says, it's not free. Trust me. You're paying from the – as soon as you get a job, you're paying into the healthcare system. And uh, you've got a call. Like if you want a knee replacement, it may be six months to a year. Before you get it, and it's it, it's a it's it's just a farce, is what it is. Um, and Of course, we've kind of pretty much have screwed ours up here. Well, the
1: healthcare system and the entire medical world is uh, uh, really in a mess. It's uh, more and more real <laughs> time guys who've been in there for quite a while are retiring, and yep. uh, they spend most of their time with paperwork rather than the patient. Oh yeah. A lot of the decisions, whether or not they can uh, have you uh, have, a, have a test, depends on whether your insurance will pay for it. And uh, so the non-doctor people are telling the doctor people what to do. That's right. basically one of the really problems that we have.
0: It really and, is. And, you know, and I'm going to hold this up. Um, I'll probably get you in trouble. That's University of Florida. <laughs> uh, bug. And, um, you know, I'm a double graduate from there. and I was proud of it. But they have come out with wokeism in their med school, and I'm sure it's in the vet school, to where it's all ESG, it's equity, it's the, yeah. uh, all that. As a freshman in med school, all the way through residency, they're promoting that just like they are in the military. And they're promoting wokeism in the military elementary schools around the world and teaching these kids critical race theory and things like that. That stuff needs to end and let society determine those things. Now uh, The government needs to focus on those things that are in the Constitution and well-defined and leave the rest to the states. Well, you know,
1: um, it's, it's, it's quite interesting the degree to which, since you brought this up, the uh, university system is infected. I would use that word. It's a pretty strong word. With this uh, uh, issue that's not relevant to teaching the skills of getting the degree. critical Thinking skills, the expertise in the field, in your case, veterinarianism. Um, in a veterinarian, um, what does wokeism have to do with that? I mean you know uh you know i 've been as you, as you know i 've been around cattle now quite a bit, and I learned so much from watching them man i mean man i, I tell you we the you know, one thing they do as you know, if I bring in a new a cow uh, they they challenge that one right sure. away they want to you know but you just don 't get into the herd willy nilly but uh you know you'll see them out there pushing each other around as you know but eventually that person that cow that person that cow is absorbed right into the herd along with the rest of them and they all stick together they, and,
0: assimilate.
1: Uh, huh? they assimilate you know everything is <laughs> they're fantastic mothers most of the time you know they they, they give birth they have no doctor like you around to help them um you know they take care of them and you, as you know when we load the calves and take them away those mothers mourn for three days. I've counted it up. It's about oh, yeah. three days as yeah. they go looking for that calf. They, they do not stop, as you know, night and day looking for that calf. And about the yeah. third day, they, they, they say, okay, okay, I accept it. But I've watched them. I mean, and I've often wondered why aren't people as good as cattle?
0: I mean, <laughs> you know, those are innate traits that have been <clears throat> passed down for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, you know, the ability of an animal to become pregnant or to breed, to become pregnant, to have birth. And then the important thing is probably 95% of them know how to nurse a baby. It's an innate thing that has been passed on, I feel, comes from our creator. Yet in America, society, we have people that can't take care of their own kids. They can't feed their own kids whether it's nursing or the responsibility of I'm having a child, I need to make sure I have an income. Um, And we have taken that away. So we're, we're uh, ruining the gene pools, what we're doing. I mean, it goes back to the, uh, the parks where they said, don't feed the animals. They become dependent on you. And you're going to get some hate emails on this because it's going to say, yo, uh, said people were like animals and not at all. Um, But it goes back to what you're saying about the cattle. They have, common sense I guess or they have that innate ability where you put that new animal in there they do they run it around but that animal will, will submit to the to the herd and it will assimilate oh there has a <laughs> le they have, they have leadership roles too in there
1: I mean you can see who the boss cow
0: is they sure do yeah you know, it's yeah.
1: generally not the male the male is there but the male you know he doesn't run it <laughs> the boss cow runs it you know
0: <laughs> That's right. my
1: information anyway. <laughs> so I, you know, I, my point here, uh, Ted, is that if we really wanted to help people be better people, I think we need to have them in the rural society. And this is where I'm really going with this. The rural society is being lost, and there's so many things that you learn in the real society. You learn. Oh, yeah. humility. Okay. You learn humility, you learn teamwork. Uh, you learn um, that you don't burn bridges because, as one of my old buddies said, you ain't never got what all you need. So I got to (laughs) go borrow something from you, Ted. And uh, you got to come borrow something from me, you know. And this is a real network. And it's interracial. It's interracial,
0: you know. Uh, Yeah, that's (laughs) a story because I've got a client or a great supporter of mine. And you probably know who he is. Uh, He's up there in the Lake Butler area. They had a community uh stock trailer. Oh, so old so-and-so had it, but this guy borrowed it, so he put new tires on it. Somebody <laughs> else had to put a new tongue on it, and somebody else had to put a gate on it. <laughs> so, you know, somebody else put new wiring and lights on it. And so he's he's borrowed it from somebody, you know, in this circle. So he's going down the road and for whatever reason the policeman pulls him over and he goes, I want he got the title on that trailer, and he goes, Well, no, sir. I I don't. He goes, well, whose trailer is it? He goes, I can't really tell you that because it's kind of a community (laughs) trailer. So (laughs) it's like you said, you don't always have that, what you need. And, uh, you got, you got a friend. Yeah. I got my catch dog. here. He's about 12 pounds. He thinks
1: he's a hundred (laughs) though.
0: Yeah, he, he sure does. And, uh, it's just one of those things in the country, like you said, and I had a, I had a somebody, you know, they told me this. He said the difference between country folks and city folks is in the country, you just handle it. You know, if you're in a city, you're in a gated community, something breaks down, you call the, the HOA or something, yeah. or you'll call this, and they don't know how to do that. But in the country, you break a PVC pipe, you're fixing it, you know, or <laughs> you know, cow fence gets, the cows gets out. You're over there mending that and uh, you just learn to be more self-sufficient. And I think people need to learn that in general, because if you're not self-sufficient, you become dependent on somebody. And unfortunately, today, too many people are dependent on the government or thinking, well, that's the government's problem. And that's what's wrong with our federal programs. Uh, I, I harp on food stamps all the time. That shouldn't be a federal program. That should be a state and local program.
1: You know, uh, the funny story, you know, long we're telling these stories. I was was skiing out west one time. I got a call from a buddy of mine. You know, he's uh, won't mention his name, but he's a cattleman. And he'd been riding down the road and saw one. uh, there was a calf out on my property. And he called me thinking I was around, you know, not too far away. And I said to him, well, I'm clear in Colorado, you know. And so uh, I, I called my neighbor. And my neighbor come, got the calf, put it back in. Yeah. You know? And and uh, can never happened to be a country boy, of course. And, and what had happened is, is this is always something you got to watch. Branch had fallen on the, the fence line. And of course, that had to push the fence line down. The curious calf uh, decided yeah. he wanted to know what was on the other side of that fence line and wound up out on the road, which is a really big issue. Yeah, very is. big issue. And so, you know, that that is such a significant difference from the suspicion, the paranoia and the hostility that goes on. And here locally, we just had an issue go down, and I don't know how it's going to, breaking up the single family neighborhoods here by passing this rule that you could condense and yeah, instill in there uh, all sorts of density of living. Uh, well, what you do is you depersonalize that neighborhood rather than personalize it because you over, I mean, a crime watch neighborhood depends upon ownership of that, which is in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, that's simple, you know. Right, So uh, you're going to break that up. And, and here they think, the progressive think, they're actually leveling the playing field between the haves and the have-nots rather than giving the have-nots the, the where and means to become a have. You know, uh, it's backwards. It's completely backwards. So, it is
0: backwards. And, you know, Atlas Shrugged, that book of Ayn Rand's, that was a great example of that. But Yale and Harvard have done studies, and I'm sure you've heard this, you could take all the wealth and distribute it evenly amongst the population. And their, their, their studies show that within five years, it would be redistributed the way it was before you took it away. And it's just the management of the money, the value of the money, how they deal with that. Um, you know, those habits, they don't get away from those habits. Very few people that got them into that situation in the first place. So, um, it's the wrong way to go. We need to focus on the education early and teaching people the right things to do instead of giving them excuses, say, you know what? Yeah, you're pretty down and out. It's not your fault. You know, you were suppressed or the government didn't treat you right or, you know, things like that. And that's not what America was built on.
1: Well, about our time, Ted. It's been a good discussion as usual on 958. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, Go over to Rumble and check us out. You all follow us there. Uh, we've had, um, we're fortunate to have Ted with us every Wednesday, assuming he'll be back next Wednesday uh, and won't confuse
0: keep Tuesday. my calendar straight.
1: Yeah, don't confuse Tuesday with Wednesday. He showed we a little secret, we'll tell, on him. He showed up yesterday and he thought it was Wednesday. but uh, That was, was just Ted. trial.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Have a great day, y'all, and thanks you too, for buddy. watching. Thanks for listening, and thanks Take for being care. on with us, Ted. Warthog Command Center out.